Welcome to the Level Up English podcast, the best place to come to practice the English language, learn about the British accent and culture. With me, your host, Michael Lavers. Hello, English learners, and welcome back to the Level Up English podcast, episode 220. Today, I'm talking with Anna Connolly from another English podcast called Anna with Two Ends. And she focuses on business English. And we had a really good chat today about this topic. So in this podcast today, we talk a little bit about her background and business English, how it is different from general English. We talk a lot about giving presentations. We talk about job interviews, how you could be more confident for them. And as we also mentioned in the podcast, I do think this is very useful, of course, if you are looking to work using English or getting a job in English or something like that. But I do think there are many aspects of this that are useful for general English learning as well. So if it doesn't sound like it's suitable for you, I would still recommend you to listen and hopefully there's something that you can learn from this podcast. We also go into some more detail on the private podcast this week, which comes out on Friday. And in that episode, that bonus episode, we play a little game where I give Anna five expressions that are common workplace expressions to use in a a real story about her experience in a previous task. So you have to listen to the bonus one this week to find out how well she did there. It was quite well. I'll give you a hint. But yeah, Anna was such a great guest to talk with. There is no video for today's podcast, so I'm sorry about that. But if you do want to see the transcript, remember that is also available for members. So if you want to hear that bonus episode, you want to see the transcript so you can read along with what we're saying, then please go to levelupenglish.school and click on the members button at the top of the page. Alternatively, you can click that link in your podcast show notes app. It's the podcast description app. And that will take you right there to the members page. If that is interesting for you, I hope you sign up and say hi to me, become a member. Otherwise, we can just continue with our topic today. That's totally fine. But even though there is no video today, I will do my best to annotate some things. If there are some difficult words or some useful things that we talk about, I will put them on the screen for you to have a look at. Of course, this only applies if you're watching the YouTube version. If you're watching or listening to the audio version, it's the same. It doesn't matter. But anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much. And let's get into it now. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Level Up English podcast. Today, I am happy to be joined by Anna Connolly, also known as Anna with two N's. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Michael. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for joining me. Well, first of all, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I mentioned your, I don't know, pseudonym or your your brand name, (laughs) perhaps. Can you tell us a bit about that and what you're doing at the moment? So I 
live and work in Madrid. I'm from the UK, as you may be able to tell from my accent. And I work with professionals who want to improve their English. And yes, you mentioned Anna with Two Ends, which is my podcast. So Anna with Two Ends is the podcast, which I do every week, which is a little 20 minute episode to help people feel more confident at work. Fantastic. Okay. And I've never really thought about it before. Maybe I'm thinking too much into it, but is the reason behind the name, because a lot of Annas in Spain would have one N in the name? You're spot on. You're absolutely right. Yes. Okay. So it, it actually came from the fact that every time I started working in Spain, I would have to say Anna, but with two N's. So it was kind of a weird thing that stuck. And actually when I thought about the name for the podcast, I wanted to have something a little bit weird that wasn't maybe a typical name. So I, I wanted to go for something a little bit more unusual. And that was just something that came up. I actually did the radio before I did the podcast. So I had a radio program, a live radio show wow. called Anna with Two Ends. And then I just carried that name forward when I did the podcast. So that was kind of the origin of Anna with Two Ends, essentially. Okay. What was the radio show about? It was, it was, it was the same type of topics. It was, it was an English radio show because there's a, in Spain, in, they have a, an English radio show. I think it's the only radio station that's purely about learning English. And it was a hour show, an hour live show every, every day, Monday to Thursday, I think. And it was about English. So I would talk about different things in English for an hour. I'm not sure how I did that, but I did it. <laughs> Okay, that's cool. So it's like a precursor, a kind of thing mm -hmm. that came before the podcast. Uh, what got you into now doing more like business English and this kind of niche, this area? Mm -hmm. So really good question. I Before I became a teacher and, and a coach in English, I worked in project management in the UK. So I worked in healthcare, I worked in the voluntary sector, and I, as I said, I worked in project management and different types of, of projects that were um, um, being introduced. So I've always kind of had that business background. And then when I started working with people in English, I kind of just gravitated towards that area of business English. And I, I just really love it because I love helping people overcome those blockers that they have to, to speak and then seeing them kind of flourish in the work environment is just really, I, I really enjoy that. That's really what I, um, what gets me up in the morning. Yeah. I, I mean, I kind of relate to that a lot. One of my favorite lessons to teach was always like job interview classes mm. or something like that, because there's a really concrete way of seeing if it's been successful, like if students get the job, and it's kind of made a really good impact on their life. It's a really good feeling that you had a small part to play in in their success. I like that feeling. Yeah, and it's it, for example, it's a great um, it's a great thing. Like interviews you mentioned there, and it's such a big critical step in somebody's life whether they get a job or not. And if you can help them, like you said, in 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 getting that, it's really it's really amazing. It can really make a huge difference to somebody's life to get a certain job or to get a certain position or just to be able to speak more at work when they don't speak a lot at the moment. So it's it's really, I really feel that it's a really valuable thing to to help people with. I just really, I just, I really enjoy working with people and who are professionals. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. That's great to hear. I'm curious though, have you ever dabbled in any business? 
ideas yourself. Uh, just, just for the listeners, this mm-hmm. phrase to dabble in something is like you can you can give me your thoughts as well. But like to do a little bit of something to try a hobby for some time. Right, I can't I can't think of a better way to describe it. Yes, aside from trying to grow my own business with with English, I I am thinking about dabbling with another type of business selling products. I'm obviously not going to say what what the name of the company is because I don't want anyone to steal it, but I am thinking <laughs> about dabbling with different things. Now I've gone through the process of starting a business or starting a small business. It kind of, you, you get in the rhythm and you're like, oh, I, I might want to try something else with this. So yeah, I think you describe dabble perfectly. It's kind of, or maybe dipping your toe in the water, like with different yeah, like- things perhaps. Trying something out before you commit 100%. Mm. Yeah. Okay, interesting, interesting. So you've got you've got something going on, but okay. I mean, I I love the topic of business, like in, in the sense mm. of making new businesses and creating new things. I always have so many ideas, but I don't mm-hmm. have the you know, time or the, or the strength to implement any of them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, time's um, a big thing, right. And it's a big factor, but no, I'm, I'm the same. I business really interests me. And, and before, if you'd asked me maybe 10 years ago, would I be thinking about starting or growing a business? I would have said absolutely not. So it's, it's totally new for me and I'm learning so much. I'm sure you probably with your all the things that you do as well. It's, it's, you have to think mm-hmm. about so many things. You have to think about marketing. You have to think about content, content strategies. And so there's so many things that I probably never would have had to learn if I'd stayed in a more traditional role. So on the one hand, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful for, for the type of job that I, I have. I don't know about you, but I feel really, I find it really interesting, the type of job that we do. Absolutely. Yeah. But I would say the one stressful thing for me is that it it, it has pros and cons, but it's Mm. that we have to do the decisions. So like if you, if you work a, let's say a regular job where you have an employer, you get told what to do and you can do the work really well or poorly, it's up to you. But if you kind of got your own business or you're doing your own thing a little bit more, it's all down to you. Like you have to think, what can I do to make it better? How can I improve? And then it's it's never a case of like I've completed this work. It's always like, but it could be more. It could be better. There's always more you could do, which mm-hmm. I find quite stressful sometimes. <laughs> I don't know about you. Oh goodness, yeah. There's so many stressful parts. I mean, I said that I said the fun parts, uh, but there is also the <laughs> there are also the downsides as well, like being really stressed because you're not really sure what to do. Nobody's going to tell you what to do, which is a weird thing. Like you said, you're like, oh, all of these decisions I have to make. Oh my goodness, I don't know what to choose. So yeah, that 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 idea about making decisions, and also you said there about time. I mean, there's so I, you're probably like me. I imagine like you have so many ideas. And you're like, I want to do all these things, but you're like, okay, how do I prioritize? How do I choose? What are the things that I want to focus on? Because I could focus on so many things. So yeah, there's upsides and downsides. But I think for me overall, I find this type of job much more stimulating than I probably would in a nine to five. And actually, I'm mm-hmm. going to make a big statement, but I, I don't think I could ever have a nine to five again. Yeah, I, I I agree. Kind of, it's not it's not for everyone, mm. definitely. But I, I think it would be hard to go back at this point. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Well, going back towards the business English uh, topic, 
what makes it different from general English? Like, why would a learner come to you for lessons on this topic specifically? It's a really interesting question. And I think I'm going to repeat something that somebody said to me a few years ago, which is, I mean, business English is English. They're not different types of English. They are the same. They are the same language. But I think the important thing is that at work, we have different types of interactions that we may not have in our personal day-to-day life. So I mentioned to you, Michael, before we started recording about, you know, going to a coffee shop or buying a bus ticket or perhaps having a conversation, a personal conversation with somebody is very different to having a meeting and telling people what you think. So there are some different types of interactions and with those different types of interactions comes a specific set of vocabulary phrases that are often used. So it's the same language. Business English is English, but there are some different types of vocabulary that we use um, in order to express ourselves. And that's where if you're really interested in business English and you really need your English for work, I feel it's much more effective to come at it from that approach, learning those types of interactions rather than a more general English, focusing on, okay, well, at work, really what I have to do is give presentations. Okay, well, let's focus on that. Or at work, really what I have to do is have meetings. That's the main thing I have to do with international teams. So I need to be great at getting across my point of view in meetings. So depending on what you need your English for, really, I think, dictates where you should focus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I, my, my hope is that this episode will be very useful for those who are either currently or maybe they're looking to do some work in English, mm. whether that is in England or English-speaking country or maybe their own country. But hopefully also useful for other people too, who can just pick up some phrases that sure. they can use in their in their daily life as well. And one skill that I think you just you just mentioned is very useful for business, like, but also I think I think we do it in general life as well, is giving presentations. Like you pr- present ideas to people. That's an everyday thing you might do. But of course it's very popular, uh, very important in business English. So this is a very broad question, but do you have any tips on giving better presentations? Presentations are really important, exactly, as you, as you said. And, and yes, I, I've worked with a lot of people doing uh, presentations, and I've seen thousands of people give presentations in English, non-native speakers, I mean. So I've got a lot of experience watching and listening to, to people give presentations and there's definitely a couple of key themes. So I'll, I'll, I'll mention that here. Honestly, the main thing that you can do is, and it's going to sound something, you know, a little bit cliche, but is prepare. Mm -hmm. It's already difficult to give a presentation for a lot of people. Actually, even if I were giving a presentation in English, I'd feel a little bit nervous. So when you layer on top of that, oh, you have to give a presentation and it's not even in your native language it's really normal to feel very nervous and to sort of doubt yourself and worry about making mistakes. So I think the first thing I would say is it's totally normal to feel nervous and really nervous even when you're doing that, especially in a situation where there's a lot of pressure on you to do well. It's a different type of pressure when you're speaking English at work. I mentioned to you, Michael, before about the coffee shop thing. I don't know why I'm obsessed with coffee shops today, but if you make a mistake in a coffee shop, 
you don't have to go back to that coffee shop again. It's no problem if you make a mistake with your order. You know, it's no big deal. But if you make a mistake at work or you feel that it hasn't gone well, well, these people are your colleagues. Maybe you have to see them every week. Maybe you're trying to persuade them to buy something or you're trying to get them on board with a project. It's a different type of pressure, I think. So my, my, my main tip, number one would be prepare. Think about what it is that you want to say before you say it. And another tip that I would give is a lot of people feel that they need to speak in a very sophisticated and a very advanced and complicated way. And this often happens when I see people giving presentations and I work a lot with Spanish speakers um, and they have the perfect structure in their head in Spanish. And maybe Michael, you've noticed this when you work with people and they have the perfect structure in their head in their own language. And they're trying to translate into English exactly as that sentence is. Mm. And often it means that maybe there's one word that then they're like, oh, and then they get stuck and they're like, oh, I don't know that word. Or they get reach a really complicated sentence and then they kind of go blank. So my second point would be really to keep things simple and clear. There's no prizes for being the most sophisticated person in the room. The prize is, can I communicate and say what I want to say? And can people understand me? That's the goal, the objective to make mm-hmm. or to help people understand you. So the second point, try and be clear and, and simple. And then the third point that I would say here, and I actually say something called the three C's. So um, I think the three C's for me were, um, the first one is clear. The second one is to be concise. And this sometimes happens, uh, sometimes when people are speaking, especially in another language, you tend to kind of, it happens to me when I speak in Spanish and, you know, you tend to go off, you're you're not really focused on the structure and it ends up being a little bit messy and you're like, oh my goodness, what am I saying? Because again, coming back to the point I said before, it's already difficult to give a presentation, let alone giving a presentation in another language. So it's just Mm -hmm. a difficult situation. So being concise, getting to the point is really important, especially at work. If you have to give a short presentation in three minutes, you need to get to the point and tell people what they need to know within that three minutes. So um, being concise and a lot to do with that can think about structures and and, um, um, different types of vocabulary to help people understand you and, and keep you on track, really. So the first C is the three C's. The first one is to be clear. The second one is to be concise. And then the third one I would say is about being calm. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I notice when people speak is they speak really fast because they want to finish as soon as possible and they want the presentation to finish. So they end up speaking really fast. And what that means is it's more difficult for people to understand you. Have you ever, I don't know, Mike, if you've ever had a presentation with somebody that's speaking really fast and they're really nervous and... (laughs) That's it like makes my whole you, school experience. <laughs> right, 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 right. And it makes you, the, the listener, feel nervous, right? It, it, yeah. It, it's, it makes you feel nervous. So some tips in order to be calm are, I think, trying to sort of just take a breath, not speaking too quickly is a big one. Being comfortable with silences. This is a really big thing making sure you leave pauses in between your key points so that you are helping people understand what you're saying. So it's digestible. 
If you give me something like and you don't stop between in the whole presentation, it's like, whoa, you know, you're like, okay, I don't know what the key points were. It was very fast and it's difficult for people to understand you. So I think that's a very long answer. I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll sum up. The first one was to be clear, um, keeping your sentences simple. You don't need to be sophisticated. You just need people to understand you. The second one was to be concise, get to the point. You know, you often don't have more than about three minutes or five minutes to really tell people what you're doing normally in work. I would say it's, you know, you don't have a lot of time to get the key messages across. So you want to be able to get to the point. And then the third one is to be calm, as calm as possible. And that takes practice. If you feel like maybe, Michael, there's someone listening to this right now that's like, Whoa, but I don't know how I can possibly ever feel calm giving a presentation. You can get there. You can do it. Just takes practice. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Clear, concise, and calm. Yeah, really good. Um, I, I think even doing like a podcast like this is a great example. When I, I imagine if you listen back to my first episode, especially with a, a guest, I was much less calm. Um, speaking quickly, you could tell I was a bit nervous, mm. and maybe it made it harder to follow as a result. And I, I think, yeah, big thing is just practice. Like the more you do it, the better you get the more comfortable you get with silences too. Like I, probably before, if there was like a second silence, I would go, uh, so, so here's another question. Whereas now I can be a bit more relaxed. Like, okay, this is fine. We're just thinking about something. It's not, it's not a big deal. Mm. Um, I love the advice as well on, what was it? Is this related to being calm? Uh, yeah, I guess it's everything. It's you being simple and clear, uh, speaking, slower you know or at least mm. not rushing mm. I, I think it's a issue i see with a lot of spanish speakers maybe you've seen that too like spanish speakers love to speak quickly don't they mm -hmm. um which sounds great in spanish but in english often they i find that they miss the they, they forget to emphasize the important points mm -hmm. so a really good speech or presentation in english is probably where you would pause before the big word and emphasize this word with a bit more strength and then pause afterwards so people can think mm. about it and digest the meaning uh so yeah really good points there i like that yeah and actually i was going to give my my top tip actually for anybody if you're listening to this and you're thinking i'd really like to improve my my presentation skills my biggest tip is you need to see what you're working with Mm -hmm. i.e. you need to watch yourself giving a presentation. I do this with, with all the people I work with, whether that is a recording, you can record yourself giving a presentation, or maybe if you have, if you work with people and you can, you, you give a m presentation in a meeting and you, it's recorded, or maybe you can access it that way, but you need to see what you're working with in order to see how you're going to improve. Because one thing I know personally from myself and also from my clients as well is that you might come across very differently than you think, and that could be good or, or it can be good or bad. But one of my biggest tips is to watch a recording of yourself speaking in English, giving a presentation. And that way you can see, wow, this is actually what I sound like. And maybe you could be like, oh, actually I, I was worried about that, but really I don't need to be worried about that. It was fine. Mm -hmm. Or perhaps you notice something and you think, oh, wow, I really need to improve that. So one of my biggest tips is about 
you have to see what you're working with. You have to see how you actually speak. And that can really help you to, to improve and, and, you know, notice the things that you want to get better at and, and you see what other people see. Yeah. 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 That, that's a, such a great one. And again, just to selfishly use myself as, a, as an example, uh, and I, may, I wonder if you can relate to this as well, because mm-hmm. of the nature of our work, doing lots of video calls. And, you know, these days I do video podcasts as well. I would, especially when talking to someone, I would feel like, oh, this is so interesting. I'm really happy. And then I look at my camera, my video feed, and I look so bored. I'm like, wait, why do I look bored? I'm really happy. So I have to kind of adjust the way I'm looking to make sure that my emotion is being uh, mm-hmm. read in the correct way. So I'm kind of matching my face with my with my feelings. <laughs> and that's just one aspect, of course. It's just that uh, the facial expression. But I do think it's important to, yeah, try to record yourself and review uh, how it's going because you don't know how other people are perceiving you. Yeah. And then you've got a marker of progress as well. You know, you could, you have a recording and you can, you could record yourself at different points and then you have, you can see perhaps the progress that you're making. And it's interesting. You mentioned there about um, your body language and I've, I've just recently done an episode about body language because one of the biggest things that I see is when people are concentrating a lot and they're thinking a lot in English, it often means that they don't smile. Mm-hmm. So it actually looks like they're having a terrible time. I mean, sometimes when people have given me, given me presentations about the great results that they've had, or they're really interested about this opportunity, but they look like they're going to kill someone. Um, so it's interesting, sometimes body language and facial expressions are sometimes overlooked, but in business English or speaking English at work, it's really important because nowadays a lot of people are doing meetings online. So the only time you have to connect with people is through a screen. So in order to build relationships with people around the world, maybe on a project that you're working with, actually you're right, that body language, facial expressions, it's even more important. So it's a really interesting point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a challenge for you, which if you want to pass, that's totally fine. I'm kind of putting you on the spot. I haven't really given you <laughs> uh, time to prepare for this, but I wonder if you could like pick a topic or maybe there's something like on your desk or in your environment that you could mm-hmm. choose as a, an object of your presentation Okay. And maybe like pick out some <clears throat> pick out some good phrases that you could use to present it to us and teach us at the same time and pretend okay. that you're kind of pitching a product or something. Okay. All right. Yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to think of a, a product really because I'm pretty low tech. So <laughs> I'm uh oh actually, do you know what? I'm gonna pick this is on my desk. This is a hair bobble um guys it's a it's it's something to tie your hair with and i'm going to tell you why this is better than normal hair ties okay Um, you you will have a very hard time selling that to me but okay (laughs) yes yes i think maybe you're not my target audience michael Uh, you're not my target audience but i will i will i will have a go um so i will tell you about why this is better i'll just do something really short and and just tell you about some of the key things about this 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 hair bobble okay um Mm -hmm. is that all right does that does that work 
Yeah, that sounds perfect. Yeah. Okay. So I'll do some kind of mini presentation. I'm going to use some different phrases for presentations, which I would recommend. And I'll just keep it nice and simple. And um, we could maybe go over some of the vocab afterwards if you want to. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, let's do it. Well, good morning, everybody. It's a pleasure to be here today. And today I'd like to talk to you about the invisible. The invisible is a type of hairband which has become very popular over the last five years. And what I'd like to do is talk to you about some of the key reasons why this is better than an original hair bubble. Firstly, it's cheap. So it's not an expensive product and it's extremely affordable. The second reason why this is better than normal hair bubbles is that one of the big issues is when you wear your hair, you tie your hair with a normal hair bubble, it leaves a mark. And this isn't great because then it means that it changes your hair and it doesn't look very nice. If you understand, you understand. <laughs> so this is one of the biggest advantages about this hair bubble is that it doesn't leave a mark or a dent in your hair after you wear it. So that's a second reason. Okay. And the third reason, or the third key reason why this is better than a normal hair bubble is that you can have it in lots of different colors. So if you have light hair, you can have a light hair bubble. If you have dark hair, you can have a dark hair bubble. And in my opinion, they're much easier to wear. So in conclusion, this is a new invention, which has come up over the last few years, but it's definitely been increasing in popularity. And there are some clear reasons why this hair bubble is much better than an original hair bubble. So thank you very much, Michael, um, for listening today. And if you have any questions, I would be more than happy to answer them. Good job. Good job. I'll buy them all. <laughs> I was going with the flow, but I don't know. Okay. All right. That, that was amazing. I, I, I love how you really practice what you preach. You did, as you said before, you spoke very clearly. Um, you didn't rush anything. You used fairly simple language, which mm. was, I think was really effective in uh, getting your point across. And yeah, I, I didn't understand, personally, I didn't understand the difference between them and the normal hair ties before. Mm -hmm. But now I do. So that's something I learned as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, this is it's, it's an interesting it's an interesting product. But um, if you notice there, so I'll pick up on a couple of things that I used, which is some of the things that I recommend using. So I did a very simple introduction. I just said good morning and I just told you what I was going to talk about. Hello, um, good morning. And I'm going to talk about X. Done. That's all. That's as simple as it needs to be. And then I did a kind of a little introduction, sort of saying a little bit about the fact that it's grown over the past couple of years. And then I went into my key points. And this is one of the things that I would highly encourage you to do if you, if you are giving presentations is order things really clearly. My first point is this. My second point is this. Firstly, secondly, finally. I know it sounds really basic, but the more that you signpost people to what you're saying, the easier it is for them to remember what you said. Because if you sort of go on a long prose and you're sort of like, well, so the thing I'd like to say first of all is this and da 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 how easy is that going to be to remember afterwards? I mean, they might remember something, but when we're talking about, as I said before, it's already difficult to do a presentation 
let alone do it in a, your, a, your non-native language. So make it easier for yourself. So first point, second point, third point. And you'll notice there from my first point, I said something, I don't know, it was something really basic and, and simple. Like you said, Michael, it was something like, oh, it's cheaper or something. And I made that up actually, because I'm not even sure if it is cheaper. I think that's actually a lie. <laughs> um, so it's not, it's not real guys. Um, so I did firstly, secondly, and thirdly. So that could be one or, or firstly, secondly, finally. And then in the end, I did a conclusion. So I just recapped on something that I said. And that's also something that I would really strongly encourage because then what you do is you remind people, what are the key messages? What are the key points? And it also just allows you to summarize and, 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 and yeah, get across those, those key points again, which is important anyway, but in a non, when you're speaking in English, which is not your native language, it's just good for you to sum up, remind them of the key points and maybe address anything that you missed. Maybe there was something that you missed in the main presentation and you just want to sum it up. And also it has the added benefit of if you did mess it up a bit in the middle bit, you know, the kind of the chunk of the information, if you did maybe go a bit off track, it happens. It happens to me. It happens to everybody. You can kind of rectify that in the recap and you can mm -hmm. say, okay, well, what I really wanted to say was this. So my advice would be even, even when you give your opinion about something, maybe in a meeting or even when you, when you do a presentation as well, doing a little short summary or a recap can be really powerful because it just helps people remember what you were saying and you address any maybe mistakes that you made or things where you weren't clear when you were giving your answer. So that was a very basic example, guys. I'm not sure it was very good, but it was a very basic one. But the key thing I was trying to show you were the different pieces of vocabulary rather than the content about this rather strange hair tie. Yeah, I'll have to put a picture up on the yeah, I know, the right? Because version, it's going to be in case, yeah, yeah, in case right. anyone's wondering what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, no, I thought that was fantastic. I was a, I was a bit apprehensive or unsure as to how that would go, put, putting you on the spot. But yeah, you did you did a fantastic job, and I think there was definitely some good takeaways from that as well. Okay, so final topic of the main podcast today. Uh, I want to ask you about job interviews. So this is obviously a huge thing that many people will be looking for now or in the future. Do you have any kind of general tips for people looking to do job interviews in English? Definitely. And, and job interviews are really interesting because it's a really important time in people's life. It's a very important moment and an interview. And I said before about pressure and that speaking English at work is like a different type of pressure than maybe speaking English in your personal life. Well, let's crank that up for interviews because this is a really important moment. You know, it could be the difference between getting the job or not, or getting the promotion or not, or moving to another country or not. So it's a really high pressure moment. So I think just understanding that first of all, and you know, that there's a lot of, you may feel really nervous and, and rightly so. I think the main things that I would say for, for interviews is practicing the questions Again, thinking, thinking about what you think the questions they're going to ask you are. After that, once you've thought about your answers for those different types of questions, one of the things I notice when people are practicing for interviews, and maybe you've noticed this before, Michael, as well, and this is going to come back to my second C, which was concise, is people tend to go on and on and on and mm. on and on and on 
which is not necessarily bad because sometimes you want to make sure that you get across all your experience. But getting to the point I've noticed can be quite difficult with interviews for some people. So trying to really focus in on how am I answering the question, using a lot of examples, I would say. I think people tend to sort of answer in a theoretical way, but they're not really answering in terms of what I did and what my achievements were. So there's a specific type of question that I find people are are weaker at, which is, tell me about a time when you worked as a team, for example. And and that 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 type of question people find really, really difficult. And I'm going to share a really quick technique that people can use to answer that question, actually. So there's a technique in English called STAR, which is situation, task, action, result. And it's a very commonly used framework for answering this type of question. So basically you talk about the situation, what the situation was. You talk about the task. You talk about the action that you took. And then the really important bit is the result. So how what you did influenced a good result. Maybe that's an increase in sales. Maybe that's a happier team or whatever the the outcome the outcome is. So that's a really nice technique and you can find lots of information on that um, um, online or um, there's lots of guides and things. So the STAR technique is great for answering those types of questions. I don't know, Michael, if you've noticed with that, those types of questions as well, people struggle with that or where you've seen people struggle. Yeah. I, I, I imagine a lot of your previous advice would apply here as well. Like mm. keep it simple. I mean, it's all especially as a learner I feel like it's very easy to want to try to show off and use all the good new words that you've learned but the point of English generally is to communicate your point and especially in a job interview job interview you want to um you want to kind of advertise your sell yourself as a person and Mm. make it clear like why they should hire you you don't really want to use all these crazy big words unless maybe they are specifically testing your English ability. Mm. Yeah, I like that start. I'll, I'll make sure to to write that up on the on the on the show notes page, the start um acronym to help people. Yeah, and it's just popped into my head some other other things that I would mention as well. So you you mentioned there about um getting across what you want to say and I think if you if you are feeling nervous about about the interview which is totally normal try to think about it from maybe this perspective of try to focus on the message that you're trying to give. Try to focus on the fact that I've got a really, I've got really important experience that I need to tell these people about rather than necessarily, oh, I've got to say all these things in English. So try to focus on the message and all this experience that you want to get across to them. Um, And I did a, I actually did a a podcast with somebody who was an expert in in interviews and they said something really nice, which I'm going to repeat here which I think really helped me um, think about interviews is a lot of people look at interviews and they think of the people interviewing as the people um, in, you know, the authority, right? They, they have the, the power essentially. And one way to look at it is, well, they need you just as much as you need them. They need somebody for that job. They need somebody who fits this criteria and, and you could be that person. So it's really helpful to see it more as a balance thing rather than necessarily, oh my goodness, uh, I have to impress these people and whatever. Yeah, 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 sure. But they also need you. They need your experience. I thought that was a really nice way to 
to demonstrate that it's more of an equal or more of a balanced conversation. Yeah, I, I love that point of view, even, even in general life, because I mm. I always struggle with uh, shyness and feeling awkward in other pe- with other people mm-hmm. in, in public and just thinking that way that not... I'm not the one trying to impress you. You know, maybe you're nervous about talking to me. Maybe it goes both ways. Mm. And it brings to mind one interview experience I had where I applied for a job and I was so nervous and I was answering really in a shy way. I did get the job actually, but then I figured out, I heard a few weeks later that it was actually the interviewer. It was her first ever interview because she'd recently been promoted and she started interviewing and I was the first person she ever interviewed. So while I was so nervous about how I was coming across, I imagine that she felt the same. She was nervous about like, do I seem like I'm, you know, am I really, do I give off that manager feeling? Do I really, am I doing a good job? Am I asking the right questions? And I I think a good question to ask, this is what I recommend my students is um, asking like how, almost like how the company could benefit you. I wouldn't really word it in that way, but kind of, I, I guess you're asking like, what what kind of work would I be doing as the company? Like, how, how could I, uh, I, I don't know if you, I'm kind of losing my words here, but I don't know if you think of a better way to put it, but it's almost like, even if you don't say it directly, you're also interviewing the employer, aren't you? Mm. Trying to find out if it's a good fit for you. Not that you would say that to them. Definitely. And like, what can the company do for you? I, I see what you mean. It's a, but I think your question still, how can the company benefit you? I think that's a valid question or what can the company do for you or how can they sell themselves to you rather than mm-hmm. it just being the other way around? So I really, it, that's not, that was, I'm not going to take credit for that. That was somebody else who, who mentioned that, but I think it's really important. And actually in this conversation, I think it's really uh, nice to, to, to bring it up. And a couple of other general things is more associated with English specifically is you mentioned before about simple vocabulary and, and simple words. And I would definitely back that up considering that this is a really tense moment. So make your life easier. Anything you can do to make your life easier, do it because you're already going to be nervous. It's already, uh, you know, a situation where it could be, you know, getting the job or not. So make your life easier. Use simple vocabulary, take it slowly um, and, and kind of take the pressure off. I see a lot of people trying to make their lives more complicated. A really good example. Um, imagine there's a word that you always have problems saying. And every time you try to say it, you always have to hesitate. I've got one of those words in Spanish. Um, um, and like, you know, I, every time I say it, I'm just, it, it always goes wrong. I never get it right. And, you know, of course I would advocate for trying to correct that mistake and, and learn it. But imagine there's a situation where you're preparing for the interview and you're just like, the interview's tomorrow, you've had to think about it and you've got this word and it always pops up. I would argue, is there a different word that you could use? Are there other ways that you could express it rather than suffering in that situation? So it's a very small example of making your life easier, but I think it's true, you know, if there is a word that's really difficult or maybe there's just something that you're not able to explain properly when you're practicing, well, maybe think about another way that you could say it that might be simpler. You know, don't suffer unnecessarily is what I would what I would say. And if I could mention an, another thing, if that's okay, this is 
a common thing that people do when they answer interview questions, not just for people speaking um, in, in, in English, but for, for everyone, is the we trap. So we did this, we did that, um, we managed to, uh, we were. And you have to remember that in the interview, they're interested in you and what you did and how you contributed to what happened. So something I find is that people tend to go for the we thing and that's great because it shows teamwork, but in the results, like what did you actually do? You need to highlight what your specific role was, what you did in order to reach that result or reach that objective. So I, I, I call it the we trap. I think I maybe have seen that before, um, and, but it's just something I've noticed people doing when they answer questions is we, 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 but it actually needs to be a little bit more I and this comes back to what you were saying before, Michael, about selling yourself and not being afraid to say, I did this and I did a really good job. And and because of my work, that meant that we were able to do this. I'm feeling mm-hmm. comfortable doing that because I know that there are some cultures that feel more or less comfortable selling themselves. So there is also yeah. that point too. There is a big difference with that culturally. Yeah, that, that's interesting. But yeah, really good practical tip there. Yeah, that's good. Would you mind telling us a little bit about where the listeners can find you, uh, social media, that kind of stuff online? Yes, absolutely. So you can find me, the best place to find me, and there's probably two places. You could add me on LinkedIn. My name's Anna Connolly. You can find me on LinkedIn and, and, and add me on there. You can also find me on Instagram, Anna Two Ends English, and that's Anna with A-N-N-A two ends English. So, um, I'm, I'm sure Michael, you could probably put it in the, in the, in the comment bit yeah. and my podcast, Anna with two ends business English podcast. It's on all the different platforms. So you can find it on Spotify. You can find it on Apple. You can find it on Google podcasts. And as I said, I do a 20 minute episode every week on a Wednesday focused on a different problem associated with business English. So I take inspiration from my clients. I take inspiration from the comments that people send me. And I talk about different things that are hard for people to do at work in English. And that's basically the premise of the, of the, of the podcast. So you can check me out on there, subscribe. And I also have a newsletter as well. So if you really like the podcast and you want to get a bit of extra content to help you consolidate what you learn on the podcast, you can sign up to the newsletter as well. Mm, fantastic and if listeners are not sure the spelling of that would two n's would be two n s yes they couldn't quite hear yes two n s yeah yeah amazing well thank you so much anna for your time it's been amazing chatting with you and i hope the listeners enjoyed it as well thank you thank you so much michael it's been a pleasure thank you you have been listening to the level up english podcast If you would like to leave a question to be answered on a future episode, then please go to levelupenglish.school forward slash podcast. That's levelupenglish.school slash podcast. And I'll answer your question on a future episode. Thanks for listening.